This episode of the Essential B2B Playbook podcast contains discussion of topics which some listeners may find difficult. Hello and welcome to the B2B Sales Playbook podcast, brought to you as ever by Lead Forensics. I am your host, Joe DeCaro. This month is Mental Health Awareness Month, and I was keen to talk to someone about protecting your mental health while working in a fast-paced and stressful industry like sales. I brought in Michael Hansen from Growth Genie and co-host of the Cosmic Bridge podcast to discuss tactics and advice when considering your mental health. As Michael says, there are resources available on Movember's website should you need them, and do remember to check in with your colleagues and friends regularly. It's amazing how much you might be helping someone. So, without further ado, here's Michael Hansen on protecting your mental health in sales. Michael, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm very well. Thanks a lot for inviting me on and yeah, inviting me to talk about this topic, which I think is really important. Absolutely. No, it's, it's my absolute pleasure. And I think that's probably going to be one of the, to start off with what I normally finish with, which is our key takeaways. That will probably be one of the biggest takeaways is talking about our mental health and our emotions and that sort of thing. Yeah. What, to your mind then, would you say are some of the common stresses that sales professionals face in their work environment that might impact their mental health? I think, Sales is one of the most rewarding jobs and also one of the most stressful jobs. And often those two things are interrelated, right? So obviously sales people are very target driven. They've obviously got managers who are target driven. And then sometimes when you don't hit your target, you're seen as a failure, right? You're like, oh, I didn't hit my pipeline target. If you're an SDR, if you're closing deals, I didn't hit my closing target. Then you think, oh, what have I been doing wrong? What's wrong with me? And I think a lot of it comes to attaching yourself to the outcome versus falling in love with the process. If we take this outside of the context of sales, there's that quote, life's about the journey, not about the destination, but often sales people are getting very focused on the destination and the outcome and how you can improve your mental health is just by falling in love with the process and seeing sales as like a bit of a game, right? Even if you put yourself in the worst possible mindset of I'm, I'm not going to hit my target and I'm going to get fired. So what? I'm sure we'll be able to find like another job, right? Sales is just a game. There's much like bigger things in life. But yeah, I think it's that being very target driven that often sends people down a bit of a spiral. So then it's something that immediately comes to mind following on from that as well is a big, one of the larger aspects of sales, which is something that we hear people talking about a lot is the rejection and disappointment. And as you say, separating yourself from the experience and the result of your day or whatever. What are some of the ways to manage those sort of feelings of rejection and disappointment that, that salespeople will be feeling? Yes, yeah, so maybe get, try and get a bit more tactical here and think about, let's imagine like a couple of situations. I'll do first like top of the funnel, like pipeline. Maybe you're an SDR, even you're a salesperson who gets your own deals. And then we'll talk about like closing. So first thing is the mindset you've got to have when you're approaching someone about having a meeting or like working with them is more that, most of the buyers you reach out to are not actually going to be a good fit for whatever you're selling. They may be a good fit based on they've got a particular job role. So it's like lead forensics or my business growth genie. Yeah, they work in marketing or sales or they run a company and maybe they've got, they may have pain points that you can help with, but you're not going to know until you speak with. For me, going with the mindset when you're trying to sell, if you're trying to get to know the person, right? It's a little bit like 
dating, right? When you first go on dates with someone new, you're just trying to get to know the person. You're not trying to get them into bed or marry them or anything like that. You're just on this journey of getting to know them. And it's the same in sales. So don't put pressure on yourself. I need to put this meeting, go in with the mindset of, I'm trying to get to know this person, see if they've got pains we can help with. If they have, great, let's continue the conversation. If they don't, no big deal. I'm gonna move on to the next person. So a lot of that, a lot of that is like mindset. So going in with that mindset of getting to know the person and then on the other side, what, how that comes across is that comes across as less desperate because if you're very attached to the outcome, you come across as desperate, which is actually why these, it seems like a paradox, but the more attached you are to that target and that outcome, the more desperate you're going to come across as, and actually it's going to prevent you from doing well in sales. So that's the first thing on the kind of getting the meetings. And then it's exactly the same with deals, right? You've got a deal in the pipeline. Anyone who's worked in sales for a long time knows things can go wrong at any moment. You literally think you've closed the deal and like procurement comes in and completely destroys it. And those are often things not in your control. So just think I'm going to work as hard as I possibly can. So detaching from the outcome isn't, oh, don't work hard. Do work hard, but while working hard, know that there are things totally out of your control with your buyers and just put your best effort forward um, and know, look, the buyers are one in control. I'm not in control as a salesperson. All I can do is work hard and do my utmost. And if it fails, I'm just going to move on to the next deal and see this as a lesson learned. What might be some signs that your job's starting to get to you do you think what are the behaviors what are the emotions what are the feelings that someone might not necessarily immediately recognize perhaps they've been suppressing what they've been feeling for a long time and it's just been a build-up and a build-up to burnout what are those signs do you think a classic one is like anxiety right and i think people are a lot more like anxious nowadays with like social media and the internet and all these things and i think sales is like that as well maybe because we've got these crms and all these cool technologies they're constantly showing this is your number right like putting it in your face and then sometimes you get anxious maybe let's imagine you're based on like quarterly targets and you get to the end of the second month and maybe you're at like 10 percent of your target you're like oh god i need to close this in like the next month i need to get this target and again it's that it goes back to what i was talking about earlier which if you come at it from like emotional or psychological like there's really desire so you're focusing too much on the desire of I need to hit my target versus taking a step back and thinking, okay, what do I need to do in this situation? Like, how can I help this person? Instead of thinking, how can I sell to this person? How can I help this person that I'm speaking to? And again, that's just falling in love with the process, right? So you still need to have your process, make a certain number of calls, do your research. If you've got deals in the pipeline, follow up with them properly, but see it as, okay, what do I need to do in this process versus... I need to hit my target because needing to hit your target, that's not helpful for anyone. That's just the outcome. And then I guess from more of a grace genie we're into, we've got this framework called Cosmic, which is around like balancing the spirit and the material. We're talking about the material getting into the hitting your target from the spiritual aspect. And spiritual is a word that freaks people out. More of the human aspect, looking after yourself is getting to think about what makes you feel better in these situations, right? So meditation is obviously a big, Buzz, buzzword and thing that's come about at the moment so meditation is great it's even just breathing right focusing on your breathing and even if you don't want to do that you try meditation it doesn't work for you think about what are some things that make you calm for some people it's like running going for a walk mm. right going for a swim listening to music if you're feeling really stressed about sales right and really stressed about your targets and you can't detach from the outcome do all these things we're talking about 
take a step away from your computer, go outside for an hour, go listen to music, sit in nature, and then you'll come back and often you'll, you'll do it better. And even I've just been in Nicaragua for 10 days and I like managed to switch off for a week. And even though I'm preaching about all this stuff, I set up my business three and a half years ago and I've done a bad job of just like totally switching off when I've gone on holiday, I've always been online. And I just did that. I've come back to work and I'm refreshed and I've got all these good ideas. So often that's what you need to do. You need to take a step away from what you're doing and then you come back to it and you look at it with fresh eyes. To change the just to shift the conversation ever so slightly this is something that has occurs to me and i wanted to get your thoughts on this michael is that sales is predominantly a male environment the majority of the salespeople that we see are men and traditionally men have historically struck we've heard that they've struggled to talk about their feelings and share their emotions in that way in what ways do you think that conversation has changed do you think there has been a cultural shift in the way that men can express their feelings to each other. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to do a bit of a plug here for the podcast, just because you, you asked me this question, but we just had actually as an old university of my old university friend of mine called Will Castle. He actually works in sales as well. He's like a sales director in real estate for CBRE. And sadly he, his dad committed suicide about 10 years ago. And at the start, he, he didn't talk about it and he publicly came out about three or four years ago, talked around like what happened, how it affected him, et cetera. And I like the way he's done it because it's very much not, oh, poor me, this happened to me, but more like, how can we stop other people doing the same thing that mm. happened to my dad? But anyway, this, so this is the episode of The Cosmic Bridge. You can listen to it that we just released. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up is he told me the stat, which is crazy, which is that suicide is the number one killer of men who are under 50 in the UK. I don't know about other countries. I'm sure many Western countries, it's the same. And that's still today, right? So I still think there's people that aren't talking about this stuff. And sales is an example, right? Will Castle's dad, the guy I'm talking around, he actually worked in sales in real estate as well. He got himself into debt. And sales is an example of where we may be going through these things financially, spiritually, whatever it is. And we don't want to talk to other people. And often we get in our own heads and we think, the world's collapsing right but we need all we really need to do is is reach out to someone and the advice will gave on my podcast which i thought was great is don't just ask someone like how are you once ask them a few times and ask them in a different way. it's a bit like sales it's like when you do a discovery sometimes you get those buyers that don't really want to talk they're kind of giving you those one word answers but you just ask a question in slightly different ways and then people will open up to you so if you've got a friend that you think is suffering just be there and be persistent and ask how it's going because often it's the people that really seem the happiest and extra on the outside that like deep down they're, they're going through some stuff so. it's absolutely and it's the consistency of it i think certainly in my experience is when i've had friends so i've quite fortunately i've never particularly struggled with my own sort of mental health i'm quite i'm lucky in that sense that i do okay with it when i've spoken to friends particularly male friends and i've made i do make a point of this is checking in with them regularly and just being like is everybody okay are we all good and no more so than during the pandemic when we couldn't be together physically to go to the pub or go play whatever doing it virtually and just making sure when there was this whole huge thing going on that was affecting literally everybody yeah. just texting and just making sure and just and we there were we all struggled with it and everything but i feel like we all came out of it 
knowing that we're all there for each other. Yeah, so, uh, yeah I completely echo what you're saying there. It's just saying that it, it's the consistency of it that will really help people who are struggling. But then equally, if you are struggling, you consistently speak to somebody else to, to, yep. to help yourself out. The other thing as well, and I know this isn't going to be possible in the era we live in, like with social media, we've got like digital friends as such, who's like you and I, right? We're having this conversation mm -hmm. here. We've never met in person, but if there is someone who like lives close to you and try and meet them in person, because it's a lot easier to speak about these things. Like when you're, you're in person, looking each other in the mm -hmm. eye versus like on, on the internet, if that's not possible, of course, try a phone call, right? But if you can meet the person face to face, that, that makes a big difference too. And particularly in a sales environment, the chances are, if you're feeling a particular way about particularly stressed about a certain aspect of the role or the job or the company, the culture, anything at all like that, chances are you aren't the only one, right? Yeah. So it's worth asking around and talking to people because what you might find is that someone goes, oh, do you know what? I've been thinking exactly the same thing and an avenue to talk through that particular stressor. Yeah, 100%. So, just sorry, just bear with me two seconds. I do have a list of questions here, but I'm just going to refer no to worries. these again. What resources are available to salespeople who are struggling their mental health? Is there um, particular books, any particular sites? Yeah, I know. I just know from the podcast I just did, this guy Will Castle, he's an ambassador for Movember. I think obviously people often know Movember just for like people growing bad mustaches and then sh for money and shaving them off. But I think if you go on their website, I think there's there's quite a lot of there's quite a lot of resources there. If you listen to the podcast I did with Will, there's some good tactics he he talks about. And then yeah, for me it would be, I think a lot of I think a lot of mental health issues is where something's going wrong in your relationship with yourself so i think personal development is a great thing because it's that thing of where you're blaming yourself for a lot of these things you shouldn't be blaming yourself you should be loving yourself and i think like i said things like meditation breath work even like exercise uh, try and work on yourself more and think okay how can i get myself out of this situation because that's often what i found is friends can help and it's important for friends to help and it's important for you to reach out to help but what I found, and I've known people who've been like alcoholics, drug addicts, and people that have been depressed, normally how they get better is when they help themselves, they get in a position where they want to help themselves. So also as well as reaching out to friends, doing therapy, all these things, also get into like personal development. And there's a ton of like resources online that you'll be able to look at. There was, there was an article published at the time of recording, there was an article published yesterday on LinkedIn that I had a quick read through. And I was very interested in because it was saying it was talking about faux self-care and how we're seeing so many messages around self-care and things you can do and all that sort of thing. But actually, a lot of people were reporting that they were partaking in these activities and it just wasn't working or anything like that. How can you make sure that you're going about practicing self-care in a way that works for you? And what might we even mean by self-care? Yeah, I think the important thing is what you said there is that do what works for you. Because it's even like when we do sales training, I say, look, this is our methodology and like our pra practice it, test it out. But you've got to make it your own. You've got to put your own personality into it. And it's the same with self-care, right? You may try out meditation. You may do it for a month and it, it doesn't work for you. And then you try breath work and it does work for you, right? Or you may go to therapy and it doesn't work for you. Maybe the therapist doesn't work. So you change the therapist, right? So it's all about really 
doing what works for you. I think that's a really important part. So have a play around with these things and don't give up as well. Because I think sometimes you try one tactic that doesn't work for you and you're like, I'm not going to be able to improve myself. And then, yeah, self-care, I think, again, because we live in this digital age, right? I think one of the benefits of the internet is we've got more solopreneurs, freelancers, entrepreneurs, even like myself, that being able to make businesses thanks to being fully digital online. But it also means you get a lot of charlatans who are like coming up with these schemes who maybe don't have the experience that, that they're pretending. So I think it's just taking everything with a pinch of salt and not... I think also a lot of people go into more of what I call spiritual practices with very high expectations. And that's also bad as well, because you're like, I'm really depressed. I'm going to do this one thing and it's Mm -hmm. going to totally change me. So it's also going, I'm just going to test this out. I'm going to see how it goes. If it works, great. If it doesn't, no big deal. Like I'll go into the next thing or I'll try something else. So I think it's like not setting the expectations so high when you do some of these practices. Are there any, what are the, what are the, practices and techniques you implement then for yourself personally are there any that absolutely do not work for you or is there one that you would champion for yourself or yeah i think some people it's weird actually i would say i'm an ambivert right like i think you have to be a little bit extrovert to work in sales and do sales training like i do but i definitely have a big introvert side and what i found is i think some people like going to therapy like talking it out i found so i do this thing called holotropic breathwork which is basically you just sit down on your bed for a an hour and you breathe deeply and then you can do it with music and essentially it almost takes you out of your body so like where you're almost like looking at yourself and you just kind of feel at peace and you feel like very interconnected with everything and you just it makes you less so sometimes you may be very stressed like i've done it in situations where family members been in hospital and i've had situations where i've been stressed about my work because i'm sure many people listen to this will know it's not like easy running a company so like different type different types of situations so some are material some are spiritual and it just helps me like take myself away from the situation. Be, oh, this this problem is not that bad. And I look at it from like a, a different perspective. I've also done only a couple of sessions with a neuro-linguistic programming coach. And again, that's a similar thing of like, maybe you've got some event in your past. And I don't like to say the word trauma because I don't really think I've faced anything truly traumatic in my life. Something that makes me emotional in a negative way. And for people that do have very extreme trauma, it's a good way of looking at that event in a different way type of mentality so you can google that neuro-linguistic programming there's some interesting practices on that that's something i don't know too much about so i don't want to go deep into it. i've done a couple of sessions i know it's useful so yeah, i think anything it's like meditation anything that can get you looking at something that's stressing you out with a different perspective or just taking you away from that situation i think that can be great and then the last one i would give is i think meditation as a word is seen as you sit down with your legs crossed and you breathe actually i think you can meditate doing many different things and i find like exercise for example if i'm very stressed and i like go for a run or go to the gym or even i've gotten more into like team sports as a goal to playing football tennis because it's a good way of socializing and i'm exercising as well I find that's a great way. And sometimes I'm like, I was super stressed about work three hours ago. And now I feel like great. So I think meditation doesn't just have to be sitting down. I think you can like meditate and just take yourself away from things by doing other things too. I think that you're absolutely right. So if you take the idea of meditation as the act of concentrating on one thing at a time, and as you say, for your, was it holotropic, did you say? Your holotropic breathing? So that is just focusing on your breathing. In the same, it's almost counterintuitive, but in a team sport, if your soul, let's say, let's talk, let's say football, for example, if you're concentrating solely on 
what your position is, where the ball is at the point. Are you going to be in the right place at the right time to receive the ball to create the opportunities? That's taking up so much brain space. There almost isn't room to think about something else. So you might not necessarily yeah. think of it as a meditation, but in a way, it very much is. Yeah, 100%. And there's a great film, a documentary called Free Solo about Alex Arnold. He yes. climbed, you've seen that, yes. He climbed, for anyone listening, he climbed El Capitan, which is like one of the biggest, maybe the biggest cliff in the world. And it's hard to do with ropes. And he did it without ropes. And when they interview him, he's, you know, how did you do this? You're crazy. And he's, I didn't think for a second about falling off. I was just thinking about the practice. And he did it with ropes, like, 200 times to know where all the different rock formations and stuff are that hang on but i imagine that was such a like meditative process and probably one of the reasons he did it because he's solely focused in that moment on like climbing that cliff and it's a great example of kind of what you're talking around there of whether it's a sport cooking whatever it is something you're really interested in you give it your full attention and then all these other things that were stressful in your life suddenly they, they seem like small problems absolutely right and let me tell you michael i watch a lot of horror films in my spare time <laughs> i have not sweated more than when watching freezer <laughs> it's incredible but no it does it absolutely speaks to that the power of that mindset you did touch on something it's something that i realized that is quite a meditative activity for myself something that i've expressed to my wife really helps me decompress from the day is i'll go from work and then my next job is just go and start cooking and it's just that really just the methodical process of following the steps on the recipe. I just find it so calming. So, yeah, that's, that's another example that's maybe slightly more achievable than going and climbing El Capitan. Yeah, yeah, 100%. After work. <laughs> and I've even found things like I'm not a very good cook. So, my partner Anna is a better cook than me, but from time to time, I'll cook her a meal. Sometimes she doesn't like them that much, but <laughs> I do my best. And then, even things like sometimes like cleaning, or I went and made like empanadas, which are these like South American pastries. And you do it for a few hours, and you I don't even, I've never done this before, but it's just, it's that thing, like you said, it's just focusing on one thing, forgetting about everything else. It's just a really almost like therapeutic technique. So. And also there's something that a lot of people have come on the various podcasts I do for lead forensics and I do ask them the questions about how do you decompress and what are the things that you do to help you divide your time between work and your personal life. A lot of them do say it includes some sort of physical activity and running comes up a lot because I think yeah. when you're not quite starving your brain of oxygen, but you're giving your brain more to do that isn't thinking about the things that are stressing you out. That's where I think a lot more ideas come and indeed i had strange enough i had my dad was on the podcast and he was talking about nice. what he does and he was saying what he does as he's running is he realizes he's problem solved so he's gone out on that run and when he's come back and sat at his computer he goes i know and just solves the problem that he was stressed yeah about. yeah yeah Some, sometimes it's like a problem that seems so big you look at it and you're like oh that was so simple and uh, yeah running is i don't think i've ever talked about this but when i first one of the lowest points I first got to university and I know a lot of people do unfortunately commit suicide and things when they first get to uni because you're in this new environment and you're around people you maybe have a big friendship group so I had a big friendship group in London I went to Nottingham which isn't a small city but you're on a campus with people I'd never met before and you're adapting to a new life you're in a dorm and I wasn't super depressed but I was like it was a change for me and it was difficult and I remember actually at that point I football and tennis but I wasn't like huge into exercise and my dad who's now he's run like 30 marathons he's like a crazy fitness guy 
And I thought, do you know what? Like, I, I probably can't even run 5K and my dad's running like 42K all the time. And even back then he would have been like 70 or 60 something. So I decided to, yeah, I decided to start running. And I think actually, if I look at it now, I didn't think about that at the time. There was definitely a correlation between me having a better time at university, being more social, not getting too down about things and, and running as well. So it's like you said, often like your dad does, you run, you come back to things with an open mind and you're like, oh, this isn't that big a deal. Everything's going to be all right. Oh. That's absolutely, yeah. The question of perspective there, it, it completely changes it. I often say the thing that I think about a problem is if you're in the problem, you can't necessarily see the whole problem and necessarily the steps that you could take to, to yeah. solve it. It can be very, you get that mindful. For sure. Just to, to come back to sales very quickly then, one of the, certainly something that I know for myself is I know when I will keenly feel stress is when I have a time pressure and time management isn't necessarily a skill that I, I, it's a skill that I certainly need to improve upon. So how can you effectively manage your time when working in a sales environment? What are the, are there, are there any tools, resources, are there any things that you put in place to ensure you're giving tasks their full attention? What, are, what time management strategies are there for people in sales? So I'm going to give you something that's conventional and then I'm going to give you something that's like totally bonkers probably to a lot of people listening. So the conventional stuff is I imagine most people now use like a Google calendar or like Microsoft calendar. What I recommend doing is having time blocks, have time blocks for most of the things you're doing. So I would say at least like half of your day. So if you're working eight, nine hour a day, block off things So say you, you do outbound, right? Block off an hour for calling. Often there's that phrase like eat the frog. So for some people that's cold calling for other people, maybe it's like CRM admin, do that first thing in the morning, get it out of the way. And then from a mental health perspective, you're going to be really happy. You're like, oh, I've done like the hard thing. Now everything else is going to be really easy. Right? So put those time blocks in that can be for everything that can be for, I did another podcast with a woman who's like a social media consultant. Actually it's about how you can use social media less, but not like totally quit social media. It's more like how can you use it consciously? So it's like, okay, I'm going to go on LinkedIn. I'm going to block out time to post. And then I'm going to block out time to respond to messages. And maybe I'm going to scroll, but when I scroll, even that I'm going to put, I'm going to put 15 minutes in my calendar to scroll through LinkedIn, look at other people's versus what most people do on social media is they do it unconsciously, right? So they just on social media, maybe I do this all the time. I go on to send someone a message. I send a message and I spend the next 15 minutes scrolling. I'm like, oh shit, like I'm behind with my day. <laughs> so that's more of the conventional stuff. The unconventional stuff is leave time for creativity as well. So this is more of like, living in Kairos, which is like the eternal time. So we have what we know in the Western world, time as we know in the Western world, which is basically Kronos, but like the Greeks had this concept of Kairos, which is actually like the eternal time, right? Which is if you've ever been to a really good concert and then you listening to the music and suddenly even a bit like what we were talking about with Alex Honnold earlier, you're in that mindset. If you're not thinking about time, you're just really immersed in one thing. For him, it's climbing. But if you're in a really good concert, everyone's involved in the music and they forget where they are and who they are. So it's that type of thing. So leave time to, to do creative stuff. So if you're in sales, it's not always just pounding the phones, getting on demos, etc. It's okay. Maybe taking your time to reflect and thinking, how can I change my call script? How can I change my discovery calls? How can I change my demo calls? And now is a great time because you've got all these 
basically individual contributors, salespeople who become like LinkedIn influencers because they're like, okay, I'm going to create content. And that was like my journey at my last company. I was a, a head of growth, but I just started like posting on LinkedIn and that's actually led me to my journey to creating my own business. So you may, may only be like an hour a week to start for more of that creativity, but leave leave some space in there where you can actually like work on new things and be creative versus always being reactive and like reacting to situations. Bit of a long-winded answer, but that's what I recommend. Absolutely. It's all about the preparation, isn't it? Perfect planning and all that. <laughs> Michael, I'm just going to start to wrap things up now for this conversation. This really has been fascinating. I've thoroughly enjoyed having you as a guest on the podcast here today. If there was one key takeaway you would like the audience listening to the B2B Sales Playbook podcast today, if there's one key takeaway about protecting their mental health and perhaps helping others with their mental health, what is that one key takeaway you want them to learn from this? I'd say and it's going to sound a bit wishy-washy, but it's just everything always works out. So I asked this question on my podcast, and this has been to like CEOs with 100 million businesses, to like breathwork teachers. So we have a very wide variety of people on the show. And I'm like, what advice would you give to your younger self when maybe you were going through a difficult time? And it's like, everything's going to work. You know? we, the one that, suff- that unites all of us is suffering. We're all going to lose loved ones. We're all going to sometimes struggle in our work or relationships. But like in the end, every, everything works out. And just a great quote that's come out a couple of times on my podcast is change your mindset to life happens for you rather than life happens to you. Because if you think life happens to you, you're in this victim mindset of you know, everything's all this suffering. It's so bad and it's taking me down versus if you're like, everyone suffers and it's all about what do we learn from this? What do we learn from our failures? And everything's going to be okay in the end. So a bit of a wishy-washy answer, but hopefully it helps some f- a few people. I don't think it's wishy-washy at all. I think it's I think it's a very helpful tip, Michael. So awesome. Michael Hansen, thank you so much for joining me on the B2B Sales Playbook podcast today. Thanks a lot, Joe. Well, there we go. Michael Hansen there on mental health in sales. Hopefully this conversation has helped you in some way, but again, do be aware there are resources such as Movember or the Samaritans, should you need them. Here are our key takeaways. Check in with friends and colleagues regularly, even if they seem happy on the outside. Detach yourself from the results of your work and focus on falling in love with the process and your performance. Accept that there are certain things out of your control. Make sure that you practice genuine self-care and not faux self-care. If you're not one for a bubble bath with some candles or whatever, don't bother. Do something else. Play football. Thanks to Michael for joining me for this conversation and thank you for listening. Please remember to subscribe to the B2B Sales Playbook podcast and give us a five-star rating where possible. We'll be back next week with another episode of the B2B Sales Playbook podcast.